Well, I want to invite my fellow elders to come on up on stage to join me today. Uh, we have a special privilege of being able to just kind of have some discussion together uh, with the elders of our church, and we are wrapping up our, our series called The Bride of Christ, or Who's the Bride, uh, talking about the Bride of Christ. And uh, so as we've been going through this, um, just the, uh, the opportunity to be able to hear from your elder team of how they see the body, and we're going to jump into some scripture in a minute. But before we do, just to have a little fun here, we thought, you know, I'll, I'm going to introduce each of them to you, but the title is Who's the Bride? And so we thought, wouldn't it be fun to throw up some wedding pictures so you can see a little bit, not just the guys up on the stage, but be able to see their beautiful brides. And uh, so we're, we're going to start over here, I guess, start with Dave. We're going to start on that side. We got Dave and Amy to put up there on the screen for us there. Yeah, look at that. In that, oh, you got a lot of awes. Oh, and even some of these, Dave. That's, that's a good one. So that's Dave and Amy Dryden. Uh, and then next, Ron and Vicki. Um, Ron and Vicki Johnson, there they are, looking good. Got that stash going there, Ron, looking, looking nice there. Awesome. And then I'm gonna, I'll save mine, I'll come back to it in a minute, but Rick and Kathy are uh, the next one there. And uh, I'll get, you'll never guess what Rick did a lot of and still does a lot of at this point. <laughs> Plays a lot of tennis, so that was kind of cool. Uh, and then uh, Sean and I have one, I think, there as well. So there we are with uh, us in all of our white. And then you may, those of you that, that know our, our team, uh, might know that, that we're, we're missing one on stage, but that's James and Amy Howard. And you're actually going to have an opportunity to hear from James and hear a little bit of his story a little bit later on. Uh, James uh, has, has been for a period of time now recovering from an injury he had at work and uh, dealing with a lot of just issues related to migraines and other things that, that have been really tough. But you're going to hear his story. We're actually going to share a video that he was able to make. It's going to be a little difficult to come and sit in front of lights and all that. Uh, this morning, but, but he is going to share with us that way. But let's start by jumping into some scripture, and I want you uh, to open your Bibles with us to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to be in verses 12 through 27, and we're going to do this the way we often do when we get together. Uh, we get together a couple times a month, and we pray together, and you know, just share uh, devotions. Sometimes we just read scripture together. And when we do, we just break it up and just read uh, a little bit at a time. So it's a nice even number of four verses each. So Dave, why don't you start us and, and, and we'll, we'll share reading this out loud, but you follow along with us. Where are we starting? In verse 12. Ah. Chapter 12, verse 12. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. One more? I think one more. Oh. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all, if, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. Yeah. So in looking at this passage, we want to break it up really into kind of a couple of major headings. The first one just being oneness in the body of Christ. You know, verses 12 through 14 speak a lot about that, the importance of us being one body and understanding the oneness that we have. But I actually want to jump, we are going to go sequentially for the most part, but I want to jump down just a little bit, get just a little bit out of order uh, to, to read to you verse 26 again. Where it says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Um, and I bring that up just simply in light of yesterday's tragedy. And um, you know, when you see something like that happen, everybody is impacted by that, right? And especially within the body of Christ. And one of the things that I would encourage you to do is just to be praying for the uh, churches and pastors in particular in that Allen community, and we're not that far from them here. You know, we have people in our church body that live in Allen as well, and certainly I know Dave, you said y'all were about to head that way yesterday uh, afternoon right before that had happened. So, uh, um, but, but just any thoughts on that when we're talking about oneness in the body and when a part, how do we respond to something like that when a part is hurting like that? Anybody have thoughts? That wasn't one of our, our, our pre-selected questions, but just coming up with any, any particular thoughts that you have on how we just process um, something like this. Well, it's absolutely horrible to grieve alone. Uh, if any of y'all have ever had to go through grief by yourself, it is just a burden that we're not designed to carry alone. Uh, we're designed to carry it together. And so that's one of the key components of a church is to be able to to be together. We, we celebrate together, but we also grieve together at times. Yeah. And it also emphasizes the importance of our connect groups, our small groups. I always like to say that small group is where church happens. This is where we share lives together. We cry with one another. We rejoice with one another. We provide helping hands. So if you're not part of a connect group, I strongly urge you to do so. This is where God intended us to be and part of a small family. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about what you're asking. You know, it's every time there's a great tragedy, God does some incredible things. And so yesterday I watched a little bit of the press conference when they first, you know, it was very brief, but uh, one gentleman stood up and said, you know, that, that uh, I think there's a memorial service planned this evening. It's actually at a church. And, uh, you know, that uh, he, he spoke a little bit about God and, and, and when he talked there a few minutes. And so it's always an opportunity for the church to come together as one to lift up their community and to be there for their community and, to me, that's the oneness of uh, the body there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it does, it does remind us. Um, we need each other, you know, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But I don't think we need any more reminders <laughs> of how much we need each other, but especially when something like this happens. Man, it really does remind us of that, how important that is. Um, in, in this passage, the first few verses that we read together, 
You know, he's talking about how the body has many parts, but it forms one body, but, but made up of many parts. Uh, we're this, this unity that we have, you know, baptized by one spirit to form one body. And then he says, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. In that time, one of the, or two, I guess, of the big issues that created division within the body was this whole thing of Jew versus Gentile. We know all about that. Slave versus free. And you can imagine the tensions between, wait, we're fellow believers, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but one's a, a slave of another. And how do you work through that? Major issues there. But Jew, Gentile, slave, free, that's really not what we are dealing with today, right? We still deal with issues that divide us. But my question for, for our elders here, what do you see as being similar issues that can divide the body of Christ today? And then how do we deal with that? Sadly, I, I think the political divide has even found its way into the church. <clears throat> and I know that this must grieve the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, we are bombarded by the press and by social media, which focuses on the fringe elements of both the left and the right. Those are 5 to 10%. But when we listen to stories in the news or on social media, we're convinced that we're all divided 50-50. I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot of moderates. If we choose to discuss political issues, let's do so with grace and humility respecting the difference of opinion upon which our democracy was built, but always keeping in mind to do so without compromising God's precepts. So approach political discussions if you have to. Uh, and I understand that's part of the political process. But again, I emphasize do so with grace and humility and respect for the other individual. Yeah, that's huge. I, I might just even add to that, it seems to me that we sometimes forget where our identity is, yeah. right? Our identity, our core identity is that we are followers of Jesus, not that you're a Democrat or Republican or an Independent or whatever it is. We're, we're Christ followers first, and that should supersede everything else. May, there may be differences and things like that, but yeah, I agree. That has become so divisive, and it's almost like, well, if you really love Jesus, then you're going to be in this group or that group, and, and we can't have anything to do with someone who disagrees with us. So I think that's a big one. Other thoughts? On yeah, I was thinking, um, I guess socioeconomic to me is kind of a big, you know, that status of that. And, uh, you know, if we're not careful, we can put ourselves kind of in an elitist group, uh, along with that, you know, depending on where you stand in that. So, um, well, six years ago, we became a, a part of a community here at Gateway Community, but 15 years ago, I became another uh, part of another community, the running community. And so I, I think about that, you know, done several competitive runs, and I'm not all that competitive, per se, I guess, in that context, but I've been a part of those, and it is a community. But there are some guys and gals who would be considered pros or elites. And uh, so they go to the front of the group, and uh, you don't want to get in their way because they are on mission. They got something, you know, they've got a goal in mind, and they want to get there as quick as they can. So if, 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 it, were, if it were just them, then uh, what would be, you know, why would I be a part of that? Or why would anybody else who's not a pro or an elite want to be a part of that? Well, that's important for us as well, too. It's a community, so it ha if it's a community, it's got to involve everybody. And so... You, I guess the question would be, well, then what are those people who aren't elite, what are, that aren't professional, what's their role? Well, my role in that is, I can remember running a half marathon in Fort Worth one time, and about halfway through, I was struggling a little bit, 
And a guy came up beside me. He talked me the whole rest of the way through and just encouraged me and helped me to persevere. And that's, to me, what that's all about. That's awesome. You know, I, I think I know why that's a community. Because y'all are all psychotic. And you, you <laughs> for, why would you run so much? You know, I mean, it's, it's got to be. What, what are you running so, from? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Ask, ask your wife. Yes. Must be you, Dave. From me. Okay. I've tried to run with Amy. Y'all yeah. thought she's short, but she's fast. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, we good. talked also about, uh, you know, it, it, even in the church, we're supposed to have our identity in Christ, but too many of us can find our identity in a cause where yeah. we get so fixated on something that is important to us, it's our hot button, that it takes our, our focus away and our identity away from Christ. Uh, I, I saw a meme the other day that just it, it cracked me up, and it said, if, the church, if, if St. Paul were alive today, the church in America would be getting a letter. And, and think about that. Think about all the scolding that he did to some of these churches. What would Paul tell the church today? What would he scold us about today? And I, uh, Our kids are older. They're 24, almost 24 and 21. Uh, and they used to squabble. They're good friends now, but they used to squabble when they were little. And Amy and I used to think, if they just joined up, they could be against us and have much more power. <laughs> yes. But they didn't realize it, right? So they were just so focused on themselves and, and at each other that they never realized they could actually join up and kind of like take over the household for Amy and I. Uh, but wouldn't it be awesome if the church, the big C, all of the churches, instead of this church and this church and this church, but what if all churches actually truly grasped that identity in Christ and focused on being in unity together what would it do to this nation? It would just be um, just an amazing thing to watch. So yeah. that, that would be uh, kind of a, a unity that I would like to see. Yeah, me too. And the church should be at the forefront of this, right? We should be at the forefront of what unity looks like. I think the church should be at the forefront of what diversity looks like, that this is a place where whatever it is, socioeconomic or ethnic background, whatever it is, that people that, that may be of different education levels we're one in Christ, and we have a place to come together. And so that is something um, that, that I think is honoring to God. And it's something, frankly, that excites me when I see our church as we continue to grow. We grow in diversity as well, and that's a very good thing because we need to be able to love one another and be together with uh, people that, that may have some type of difference from the way we are, and that's what the body of Christ is all about. We talked about last Sunday, actually, uh, what was going on in Corinth in the previous chapter where the body was divided because when they had communion together, they were coming together and those that had plenty were eating without those who didn't and it was creating division within the body. And so as we're talking about oneness in chapter 12, the body together, this is a great time and a great context for us to uh, have communion together. And so I, I just want to invite you to, to prepare for that. We have the cups that are there. Those of you that are watching at home, watching online, if you want to grab something as we prepare for this as well, you can grab a cracker and some juice or something along those lines. Uh, but Dave, I want to turn it to you and just kind of let you lead us through receiving communion together. Awesome. So communion is a time that, that we want to remember Christ's sacrifice uh, for us. We were instructed by Jesus to remember. But communion is also a time for us to come together as a church and have unity. The very first communion was actually a meal that Jesus had with his disciples, and he, they did it together. So we're supposed to actually have communion together. That's why it's so important to actually come back physically, if you're able, to the church and to be together as a body. 
Um, the Bible references breaking bread together just many times throughout Scripture. Um, but after the, after the meal, if you look in, say, John 17, after um, you know, the Last Supper, Jesus started to pray. And he prayed for several things. The first thing he prayed for was himself, that he would be glorified through what was coming. Um, but the second thing he did is he prayed specifically for his disciples. But the third thing he prayed for was all believers. That would be us. He prayed for the church. And do y'all remember what he prayed specifically that the church would have? It's unity. In fact, uh, John 17, 20 and 21, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all may be one. And then in verse 23, he expands on it. And he says that they would have, quote, complete unity. Not just unity, complete unity. And just picture what that would look like if the true church had complete unity. Um, in fact, if you go several uh, chapters earlier, John 6, way before the Last Supper, uh, right after Jesus fed the 5,000, um, it says that the disciples left across the water. Remember, Jesus walked on the water and went across the lake. The people that he fed, it said, went around the lake to find him. And they were looking for him for food, physical food. He had already fed them once, and they were looking. Jesus called him out on it. He said, uh, you're just here looking for food. Uh, but it, he kind of switched on him and said that uh, he is the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, he was in the synagogue telling them this. This was not just a nice little intimate group. He was telling a large group, and he said something that was really profound at that time. He said, if you, you know, um, he said, unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you will not have eternal life. So we think of the Last Supper and Jesus using that in a small context of his disciples. He said this to everyone. And think of how radical that must have been that Jesus said, you have to eat my body and drink my blood uh, way before even the Last Supper. Uh, it sounds crazy. It sounded crazy back then. It could sound crazy to an unbeliever today. But as we take communion today, we do need to remember the body. We need to remember his blood that was sacrificed for us. But also, we need to be praying for unity in the church, because that's what Jesus also prayed for. Uh, so uh, let's uh, go ahead and take the bread. And uh, remember, Christ's body is a sacrifice for you. And if you would take the juice, and remember this is representative of Jesus' blood that was spread and spilled for us. Jesus, thank you that we can take communion as a, as a body, as a, as a family. And I, just, I do pray for unity. I pray first for unity for our church, uh, for our own church family, that we would have unity here, that we would be such a picture of unity that it draws people in our community here. But I also pray for our church, the big C. Our church is, a, is, a, is one body, nationally, even worldly, that you would just unite us more and give us much more togetherness so that we can be more effective for your kingdom. In your name, amen. Amen. What a great reminder that this oneness that we're having, it's, it's all about Jesus. That's really the point. You know, we're talking about the body of Christ today, but the body is not the point of emphasis. Jesus is. He is the one that brings us together, and this is a great reminder 
uh, that if it were not for his uh, body broken and bloodshed, we wouldn't be talking about any of this. So I'm very grateful that we have that, that opportunity to, to be a part of the body together because of Christ and what he has done. The next whole section of scripture, really verse 15 through 27, uh, begins to talk about the interdependence in, within the body, right? That each part of the body relies on the, on the other. You can't do without the rest of the body. And uh, so when we're talking about the body being interdependent in order to be healthy, we want the body to be healthy. Uh, I'd like for our, our elders to speak into your take on the health of the body of Christ today in general, like Big C Church, as you said earlier, but also just here at Gateway. Love to hear both of those perspectives. How is the body doing health-wise right now? Who's going to jump in first? Well, <clears throat> unfortunately, the universal church, I believe, has mimicked uh, the children of Israel uh, before entering the promised land and enter after entering the promised land by being drawn away from God by the culture in which they found themselves. Increasingly, through social media posts, conversations, and actions, people claiming to be Christians have brought shame and dishonor to our Lord. As I read Psalm 23 the other day, for those of you that are going through the chronological uh, Bible in a year, I was struck by verse 3 in Psalm 23, which says, He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. For his name's sake. That phrase hit me like a ton of bricks. When we follow the Lord, we bring glory and honor to his name. But when we go our own way, or the way of our culture, we bring disgrace and dishonor to his name. I would like to believe that Gateway is an exception to this shameful trend in the church, but only each of us can answer that question for ourselves. But I think we should hold ourselves accountable. That said, I know that we hear solid biblical teaching from Pastor Blake, and we have a very strong discipleship ministry, ministries that help us grow grow closer to the Lord and to reflect the Christ of Jesus in our lives. So I'm very hopeful for Gateway going forward. I would echo what uh, Rick said about the church in general is that um, unfortunately we have let the world's kind of ideas and uh, the things that the world's going through to creep into the church and it's affecting the church greatly in general. And um, maybe not so much here at Gateway, but I would warn us that it could happen if we're not careful, and keep, if we don't keep our eyes on God. And, uh, uh, you know, he goes before us, and, but he also goes behind us. And so uh, he's leading us, but he's pushing us as well to, uh, you know, to stay uh, near to him. And so I think that's important for us. Uh, as far as Gateway in general, y'all, I love Gateway. And the thing I love about Gateway is it's not just Gateway, but it's Gateway Community Church. And uh, we are a community to the community, and that's what I love so much about being here. And, uh, and, and I guess in uh, specifics, or specifically, I absolutely love our connect group. Uh, I'm biased, but we have the best connect group here. So, uh, But I love our group so much. We are family. Every time, maybe not every time, but uh, when I'm away, it feels like, you know, if we're gone on a Sunday for whatever reason, uh, you know, I miss family a lot. You know, how when we're away from our family for an extended period of time, you all know what that feels like, uh, how we miss family so much. And so when I'm not here, I miss my family, and I refer to uh, our connect group is as my family. So, yeah. That's good. Well, you ask about kind of the health of 
church as a, as a whole and then our church. Uh, I think the church as a whole is incredibly selfish today, uh, including the people that attend the church. Very selfish. It's all about me, what I want, what I think, what my needs are, what you know, my identity needs to be, or what I, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And, and the challenge is we've gotten away from actually just believing Scripture is inherent. It is absolutely true, and we have to hold to it and submit to it and put ourselves under it versus wanting to put ourselves above it. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. When God created the earth, it was perfect, and man messed it up. The, if you look at the church, the original early church in Acts is the way God made it. It was ideal. Um, everybody was sharing everything. They were praying. They were together all the time. It was, it was this incredible picture of community, and man messed it up. And, and so uh, it's, it's always in this state of decay, not that God can't reconcile and bring people back, but we just have to be aware of it. And by, by nature, we can't see our own blind spots. So always, I know as, as church leaders, we're trying to figure out always, you know, in praying, God, show us our blind spot. Show us what we can't see because we can get so complacent that we've got this ministry and this ministry and none of the other churches in town have this or that. And we can become so self-focused and so self-centered and almost uh, uh, just um, complacent that we don't see our own blind spots where we may be failing. So uh, we just always need to be praying as a church. God enlarge our territories tell it show us what we need to be doing yeah great reminder of being mindful of the selfishness that we can fall into right thinking that it's all for us and about us that's that's a good reminder i'd like to repeat something that you've told us in the past blake and that is it's important for us as the followers as followers of christ to recognize that we need to view the culture through the lens of the bible unfortunately there are churches and there are people today that view the Bible through the lens of the culture. That's going to lead to very wrong conclusions and very, long, very wrong behavior. So, again, let's make sure that we are intentional about looking at our culture through the lens of the Bible. Those precepts and those promises are timeless. Amen. Well, and speaking of what a great lead in to... You know, back to the, the passage, verse 15. Uh, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Same thing with the ear, because I'm not an eye, and so on. Sometimes parts of the body think they may not have as important role uh, as they really do. And I want to share with you, I mentioned that you were going to have opportunity to hear from James Howard today. I want you to hear some of his story, and I wonder if you can relate to this, because the last two to three months, he's not been able to be as active as he normally is, and has kind of wrestled some with, well, am I really making a difference, and do I have an important role? So I want us to roll this testimony, guys, let's step back toward the back, and we'll get out of the way of you being able to see the screen here, but let's take a look at James's story. Hi, my name is James Howard, I'm one of the elders at Gateway. I have been at Gateway for about 22 years. We, uh, my wife and I actually started about six months after the, the church began, so we've been here around for, for a long time. Yeah, and you know, James and I were talking, as he said, he serves as an elder. We've been just kind of talking through uh, what things have looked like over the last several months. You know, today we're talking about the body of Christ and how every member in that body is important and has a vital role. Uh, I know things haven't looked exactly like you would have anticipated them looking for the last few months. Catch us up to speed on kind of 
what's been going on with you here recently, if you would. Okay. So uh, about three months ago, I was at work and uh, I had an injury. Uh, result of that injury was a severe concussion. Uh, really, my life kind of changed a lot on that day. Uh, I was doing something that I loved. I was, I was impactful at my job, and then all of a sudden it came to a, a sudden and, and quick stop. Uh, I found myself lying in a hospital bed with a collar around my neck, and it was really a scary time for not only me, but for my whole family. Uh, the result of that is, is many doctors, and uh, one of the things that, that the doctor told me that I needed to do in order to get better was isolate myself. Uh, the funny thing about that is the only place in my house was upstairs in our TV room. We had blackout curtains, and so I wasn't getting a lot of light. It was away from the family, so I wasn't getting a lot of sound. So a lot of those stimulus that, that was uh, affecting my concussion were removed. The hard part about that is as the days turned into weeks and turned into months, I found myself just sitting isolated in a dark room. I will tell you that that really started to affect my personality. Mm. It started to affect my psyche. And I really started to uh, become a person that I didn't like. Mm. Uh, I was quick to, to trigger. I was quick to, to get angry. And if you know me, that's not my personality. Mm. I, I'm about the most laid back person that I know. Yep. And, and I was finding myself that even people that would try to reach out to help me, I was pushing them away because... It, it just hurt. I, I was just felt useless. I felt like I was out of touch with everything that was going on. Uh, I remember that I went to the doctor and told him that I was still suffering dizziness. I was still suffering from major migraines every day. And uh, the doctor looked at me and said, okay, it's going to be at least six more weeks. And so I knew that I was going to have six more weeks in the in the room of isolation. And I was mad, and I came home mad, and I went up to my room, and, and I just sat there, and I was mad, and I started blaming God. I'm like, God, I'm trying to do everything I'm supposed to do. Why are you putting me in this position? And, and almost in, a, in an audible way, he said, what are you using, or what are you doing during this time? And, and I sat there, and, and tears started to fill my eyes, and I'm like, no, what am I doing during this time? So I feel very strongly at that point that, that he laid on my heart that I was supposed to just pray. And so the next day, I made a list of different groups. I have my connect group. I have the elders. I have the staff. I have my family. I have my extended family. And I set my alarm for every hour on the hour from 7.30 to 4.30. And what I do is every time my alarm rings, I stop whatever I'm doing and I just pray. I pray for those people. I pray for our church. I pray for our leadership. I pray for our elders. Um, and you know what? I found something. I discovered something that, that was really pretty amazing that as I started doing that, I became more bold in my prayer. I started reaching out to other people and saying, how can I pray for you? 
And you know what? Of, of every conversation I've had with every person that, that I've talked to, not one person has said, no, I don't want your prayers. Mm -hmm. right. And um, the really amazing thing is that God has used this in, in a way that is beyond me. It's, I give everything to God. But I've had so many people that have come to me and say, you know what? I was going through something just at the moment that, that you said you were praying for me. And then it got a little bit bigger. And then, then I realized that not only was I going to pray for them, but I was going to start typing the prayers out to them. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to say, I'm going to pray for you, because you don't know, are you really doing it? Uh, then I started typing out my prayers and sending them to them. And so for me, it's a way to be connected. For me, it was a way to uh, serve God and, and find a really, find a new ministry yeah. for my life. And I can just attest to that. You know, I've been the recipient of those prayers at just the right time. I know that our staff, they've told me, you know, I got the most encouraging text from James. He's praying for me. And I, I know this is still a journey. And by the way, church family, I would ask you to be praying for James as he continues through this process of recovery. Uh, but I know you're praying for us. And it, it's such a perfect fit for what we're talking about today because this passage talks about how every member in the body of Christ matters, even those that maybe don't seem to have special honor. And it might seem like a person sitting at home by themselves in a dark room, what good would they be for the kingdom? And you have been a, a great reminder. You're having a great impact for the kingdom, just right where you are, being able to pray. I hope that's an encouragement to all of us to know, let's just do what we can, use our gifts, and God can work through us no matter what the situation. So James, thank you for opening up. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for letting me. Absolutely. You know what that says to me? It says... God can work through us in any situation, wherever we are, and there's really no place for us to say, I have nothing to contribute. Every part of the body matters. Every part has a role, and you have a role within the body of Christ. I'll just end with reading once again verse 27. At the very bottom, verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. If you belong to Jesus, you are part of the body. Your part matters. We want you to find a way to plug in whatever that looks like. You know, Blake, we know you've been a huge part of our community as well, and we're so grateful and thankful for you too. And uh, we all know that Blake sent out an email this week to us to uh, let us know uh, that he's going to be going on sabbatical very quickly, in fact. And so, uh, Blake, would you want to share with us maybe a little bit more specifically about what it is Absolutely. you're going to be doing? I, I would. And I want Sean, if you would come up, just kind of come up here with me because she's a huge part of this, too. Um, yeah, so we, uh, sun, today is our last Sunday here. I'll be um, here this week in the office uh, and, and available this week. But uh, then on Saturday, we're headed out of town. You, you just made us look a whole lot better. Thank you for that. Uh, but this really is an opportunity for us just to... To get away and focus on being with God, hearing from God, and part of the, the way of doing that is just to, to try to set aside some of those, um, uh, just some of the noise, you know, and a lot of that's great stuff. I mean, we love what we do, we love ministering and all that, but we also need those times where we can put that down for a season 
and just focus on, okay, God, we want to hear from you. And so uh, I'll be actually sharing some prayer requests through videos. We pre-recorded some videos to share with you while we're out of what we're doing, when, and that kind of thing. But we'll be doing a little bit of traveling. We'll be staying here. I'll have a spiritual retreat that I'm going on in June. All that you'll be hearing more about. But um, the main thing is just this, to know. I want you to know, one, we, we really do covet your prayers. Two, as things come up, we, Sean and I both are going to disconnect from email, from our phones, those kinds of things. So just know, you probably won't hear from us over the next couple of months. That doesn't mean we don't love you. We do. We'll be back and, and looking forward to reconnecting. But in the meantime, our staff is available, our elders available for you. And uh, we just appreciate the opportunity to spend this time with God and go deeper and, and see what God has for us. Thank you. Appreciate you sharing that with us. And uh, obviously all of our prayers are going to be with you, but we would like to uh, specifically pray over them this morning before uh, we're dismissed here at the end of our service uh, in a few minutes. So if you'd want to, where you're at, just uh, join us as we pray over them, please. Father, we are just so thankful for, uh, uh, for Blake and uh, for you uh, calling him, first of all, to uh, the ministry. And God, second of all, to uh, here to Gateway. And uh, Father, we uh, uh, just thank you for his direction, for his leadership, for the vision you've given to him. And uh, God, we know that uh, it's important to have help made as, as, uh, with us too, God. And so we thank you for Sean. Uh, for the way she just loves so many people and just so open to uh, sharing your love with others that uh, cross her path. And so, Father, as they uh, go on the sabbatical, uh, this time of rest and the relaxation and the focus and vision, and uh, we also ask God that you would speak to Blake during this time. And, uh, Father, that you'd cause him to draw near to you and uh, that you'd cause uh, Blake and Sean as a couple to draw near together to you. And, uh, Father, we uh, look forward to the days uh, ahead for them, and we also look forward to when you bring them back to us, uh, refocused, uh, re-energized, and uh, we're so grateful that uh, they have this opportunity. Thank you, God, for allowing that. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate that so much.